While Manchester United have been crumbling like a house with beautiful doors, windows and furnishings, but no foundations, Liverpool have been quietly getting on with the business of mounting a title challenge and pushing for European glory. But can Salah and company actually win the big prizes this season? I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Virgil van Dijk to my Joel Matip, his betting expert, Mark O'Hare. Mark, Liverpool flawless in a very tough-looking Champions League group so far. Third favourites in the Champions League winner market at 6-1. to If you look at the Premier League, Jurgen Klopp's side 6.4 on the exchange uh, to win the title. Is there an argument to say you'd be better off backing them to win the Champions League than the Premier League? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, I think possibly so, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's very, very difficult. I think fantastic season ahead because we've got so many quality teams, so many quality candidates to win the trophies, not just domestically, but also in Europe. And I think from a Liverpool perspective, the only thing that's really going to hurt them is is what we saw last season, which is injuries in key areas, particularly in defence and and midfield, where they do look a little bit short on quality if they are missing out those those key players. Uh, I know Canate has come in a couple of times at centre-back and he's come with a a good reputation from Germany, but I'm not sure he's quite slotted in there and, and looked comfortable just yet in his new surroundings, but there still is plenty of potential there to, to improve for sure. Um, but also that midfield as well. I think if Fabinho is missing, uh, there's probably a couple of issues there that need to be ironed out. But saying that, you look at the midfield that played against Arsenal last week and someone like Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who personally I'd kind of almost put to the side and, and kind of forgotten about, I thought he was superb last week. And if he can stay fit, which is a big if, um, suddenly you've got another realistic contender to fill that midfield void. Uh, and suddenly like Genie Wijnaldum from last year is, is almost forgotten about. But uh, yeah, they've got a couple of interesting periods ahead. You know, Afcon will we'll see um, a couple of players going going away. But I think in forward areas they're well stopped, and you'll always bat Liverpool to score goals. And I think you'll always bat Liverpool to get a result at Anfield. But that's obviously uh, probably a bigger plus in one-off Champions League ties if you're chasing a game in the second leg or if you're at home in the first game. Really put a marker down. And I think Liverpool's kind of history in Europe is is probably a big plus to to back them towards a European. Uh, trophy rather than domestically because the the competition in the Premier League is really, really difficult as it is in Europe, obviously. But if you look at Europe, you're probably still looking at City and Chelsea as the realistic candidates alongside Bayern Munich. And I think outside of that, you probably, there's probably a little bit of a quality gap to PSG uh, just in terms of their evolution as a team under Pochettino. So yeah, I think the the other fascinating thing is domestically that such a different style and approach from all three of those teams, Chelsea so controlled, Liverpool still have that element of, of rock and roll football about them which I think has, has tempered a little bit in recent seasons but they can still evoke that for sure and when necessary and I think Man City are a bit more of an all-round juggernaut possession machine you know creating chances suffocating teams with the press but without a recognised striker which the other two teams definitely do have so yeah I think it's fascinating but Liverpool as we said at the start of the season are still very much in contention to win the Champions League. Our Tiago, our sharp-witted strategist, is Jason Murphy. Jason, thrilled to have you back with us. It's quite interesting. You listen to other coaches talk about Liverpool. Eric Ten Hag recently talked about all of the running off the ball that they do in attack and how much damage they do with that. Unai Emery was talking about Liverpool recently, talking about English clubs in general, and he talked about the physical aspect. And all of that has come together in quite a potent mix, hasn't it, over the last few years under Klopp? 
First of all, I've never struck a ball the way Thiago did last night. So it's an unbelievable <laughs> I don't think anybody strike. has. Uh, beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, Liverpool are just getting back to almost where they were a couple of seasons ago. You know, Klopp has got them pouring again. There was a little bit of a, a downturn, um, you know, where they were struggling to get into the top four last season. But like to put on a run at the back end of last season, that was phenomenal to get into it. Um, and it's amazing. If, if we've talked about the prices for the outright, like, that Liverpool price at the moment is reflective of Liverpool losing a couple of players to the AFCON. Uh, I know people might see Klopp's comments this week. I, I think it was just a slip of the tongue. But, uh, you know, it's a big tournament, obviously, the AFCON for the African players. Uh, but it does affect Liverpool's title chances. And I think that's why they are slightly bigger there in the outright market at the moment. So always factor that in when you're looking at outright prices. Um, choosing between the Premier League and the Champions League, you don't necessarily have to. Klopp doesn't have to. The players don't have to. And, Punters don't have to either. Like we do offer multiple trophy markets. Um, my father's a Liverpool fan, much like yourself, Kev. And my father actually texted me a couple of weeks ago when they were starting to go up through the gears again, asking what price Liverpool were to do the Champions League and Premier League double. Uh, rather than tell them the price, the same as I'll do to listeners, as I always do, I say, well, what price would you back it at? What price would you back it at, Kev? Oh, curiosity. Oh, what a good question. What a great question. Uh, something in the region of... Maybe 35 to 1? Would it be something like that? It's a wild stab. Yeah, maybe my father's a bit more optimistic than you, but he, he was saying about 20 to 1 he'd be happy with. So there was really? 33 to okay. 1. Yeah, there was 33 <laughs> to 1 available, so he was happy to get that price. And that's why you should always back something if you if you think it's a price and don't always have to have a bet for the sake of it. Uh, the multiple trophies at the moment, we have them priced there at 28 to 1. They have improved a little bit since, you know, I've continued to get good results, have topped the Champions League group. Uh, so... We'll see what happens. I, I, I put this question though to Jake and Mark as well. When pricing up multiple trophies, so if you take the start of the season and you're pricing up Man United to win the Premier League and Champions League, given where United were at, I mean, it's a distant dream now, but if United had won the Premier League, there's a positive relation as in you'd have to cut the price to win the Champions League as part of the double. But the likes of Man City and Liverpool, there's an argument there that it's negatively relate, related as in if you know Liverpool have won the Premier League, you don't necessarily cut their Champions League price because to be able to manage those two competitions at the back end of the season where, you know, you've had a difficult game away at the Palace and then you've got to go and play a second leg in Madrid, that's almost, they do cost each other what you can give as a team to it. And we've actually seen teams struggling in Spain and Europe, actually, in the group stages, Villarreal, Atletico Madrid, Sevilla, haven't got that balance right. So it's a really interesting market, the price. It's a great one to have an interest as a fan or as a punter as well. Like you say, you don't have to settle for one. Liverpool are lucky that they're in the position with the squad and the style that they're playing under Klopp that absolutely they'll, they'll be targeting all four trophies this season still. You mentioned, Jake, there, the Harvey Elliott of the side, all youthful energy and potential. Jake Oscarthorpe from In for Goal. Uh, Jake, I know you want to take a look at Liverpool's game against Southampton at Anfield on Saturday. Southampton have improved in recent weeks. They gave Manchester City a few problems uh, in their Premier League meeting a few weeks ago. What do you make of this one? Yeah, it's, it's really difficult to disagree with everything you guys have said in terms of Liverpool season long. Um I put them the best attacking team in the Premier League, but I think the difference between them, Manchester City and Chelsea is that Chelsea and City defensively are much better than what Liverpool are and the underlying data shows that. And, you know, if we look over the last seven seasons, <clears throat> four of the last seven winners of the Premier League have uh, have had the best expected goals against per game average. So usually that's a good gauge to, to see who's going to be the most successful team. And at the moment, that would be Manchester City. But, you know, they're playing against the Southampton team this weekend who... 
They've had some issues going forward. I know they had that really good run, four games um, unbeaten, obviously lost to Norwich at the weekend, but it is worth factoring in that while that on paper was a really good run, <clears throat> teams he played against were really poor. Like They played five teams now in the last five games that are all bottom six currently in the Premier League, uh, making this just a massive step up in class. And, and if we look at what they did or what they have done against teams outside of the bottom, the current bottom six so far this season, their XG process reads 0.85 expected goals for and 1.86 expected goals against per game. So basically they, they, they are what you know I think probably better than what we expect at the start of the season they are a, t- a sort of a, a grade above that bottom six they're not we're not expecting them to be involved in a relegation battle but they're nowhere near the levels of a top half team or teams that could potentially cause these better teams issues and you know, as I said with Liverpool going forward they're just frightening I mean they've scored two or more goals in all but one of their games in all competitions this season which is just bonkers really um, and that was against the Chelsea team who we've we know one of the best defensive teams in Europe. Their XG process at Anfield is just ridiculous. Um, 2.6 expected goals for per game. So they are just creating chance after chance after chance. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is going to be a little bit of a, a comfortable home win. But I think there's a bit of value in actually opposing both teams to score. Uh, backing both teams to score no instead uh, around 2.14 looks a real, a big price to, to be honest, given that Southampton aren't you know, the highest scoring of teams. I think they've, against the, the teams that I've just mentioned the last five games, I think they've only scored more than once uh, on just one occasion and that's against some of the worst defences in the league. So uh, the way Liverpool have been playing, the way they've been defending, they obviously did a nice rotation job in midweek. Trent Alexander-Arnold had a rest. Van Dijk had a rest. A couple of midfielders obviously had a rest. Jota hopefully will be back for this game. Um, so yeah, everything for me just points to a comfortable Liverpool win. And rather than going with Liverpool win to nil, I think just backing both teams to score no looks a, a real slice of value to me at 2.14. Now elsewhere in the northwest, West, Solskjaer produced the most emotional farewell on film since Rose kept Jack off that broken door in Titanic and he sank to the bottom of the sea. There was enough room for both of them, by the way. Uh, Manchester United have been sinking for some time, which is why Ollie got his marching orders in the end. Jason, first of all, was it the right decision? And then tell us about the next manager market. Yeah, first of all, it was the right decision. Unfortunately, there was there was no room left for Ollie, and <laughs> he, he had to go. It's in terms of, of the process at United. Um, he should have never gotten the job. That run he had when he started was a phenomenal run of luck. But United got results away to Tottenham, away to Leicester, and away in PSG that were not deserved. And the club's hands were almost tied with that win in Paris, as in they had to give him the job. But it meant nothing. United were on a hiding to nothing against Barcelona in the next round. And if Oli wasn't given the job at the time, who knows, potentially Tuchel ends up at United or we would have got Poch a lot sooner than what hopefully we'd like to get him. I think Poch, it'd be great to come in. Like It's not... A, United at the moment, It's it's they've got the squad there, but their process has disimproved under Oli since he started. It's headed in the wrong direction. Arguably, Ronaldo, he does score the goals, but he doesn't create the chances... Um, that you would expect. Sorry, he does score the goals, but in terms of the chances that United create, it's their attacking process is arguably less with Ronaldo there. Yeah. Um, if that makes sense. So yeah, it, it it was just going the wrong direction, but it was never going to get any better than what it was really. Um, with Oli there, and he had to go. But in terms of the next manager market, these are really fun, great markets to trade. Um, it's important to make a distinction between the market that we have on the sports book i.e. traders like myself will 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 price them up and then the exchange obviously is is 
you know people against people looking to back and lay at different prices but in terms of the sports book market that we offer the approach we take to it is so we'll get a trader to individually price up the market given the set of circumstances which are you know or to hand which manager is available who's on the short list who's a previous club legend and then we'll compare uh, those prices with another trader who has done similar and we'll tease out any price differences and then we'll put the prices up on on the sports book now things we'll do then once it's on site is you know we will react to warm money so in this instance customers who historically have done quite well in these manager markets um will react to weight of money as well so you know this usually means punters will will be backing off the you know the breaking news on sky or some reputable journalist might have tweeted that such and such is lined up to get the job and of course we'll react to that or whatever rumors are doing the rounds in the group chats um so also you know with these high grade markets as in for you know in the managerial manager sense, uh, Man United next manager is as high grade as it gets. Um, so there's obviously a good exchange line that we can reference and some competitors will offer prices too. So all of that is factored into the prices we put on the sports book. Uh, but it's a really interesting, it's a fun market. A quote can move prices like Potts quoted the other day saying he didn't want to talk about the job. And that moved his price from like one to two out to five to two. You know, it's, it's a really volatile market. Um, I, I luckily wasn't working Tuesday night or maybe it would have been better off, but I was actually able to sit down and watch United be off against Villarreal. Um, I, had, <laughs> yeah, no, I, had... I don't know why we thought it would change. <laughs> the guy, Michael Carrick, who'd been doing most of the sessions anyway, was the guy in charge. So why was it going to be any different? No, it was it was uh, one of the worst lost first half performances I've I've seen from a team. United were awful out of possession and pure chance if they were going to do anything in possession. It did get better after the substitutions against a tiring Villarreal, Fernandez coming on, Rashford coming on. It did get a bit better. But when United scored, I just happened to have this market open on the exchange and I could see Carrick was 9.2 to back. So I just backed it really small money, but I backed it with knowing that, well, that's going to shorten now because United are likely to win the game. I traded out of it like an hour later. Small money, I say, but like I said, these these markets are great fun, it's particularly if you're looking to get familiar with the exchange and looking to do a bit of trading. The managerial markets are great ones to get involved in. Will caution just to be aware of the rules, as in they can vary, so read the rules before you back on it. So most often, managerial markets are settled on someone who's in charge for 10 consecutive competitive games or when the club officially announces that this is the permanent manager. So a caretaker that takes over and is in charge for 10 consecutive competitive games markets are usually settled on that but check the rules before you, you get involved but they're great fun and look uh, yeah i enjoy it. it's 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 a great talking point as a united fan to see what happens um and th- that's kind of there's no no real secret sauce we have some lads that are really good at it. there's one lad we refer to as the king who's just brilliant <laughs> at um he's just he's kaiser so say he's he's brilliant at every market on every sport he's just one of these guys that knows and he he really enjoys pricing up these particular managerial markets but um they're great ones to have fun and it's, it's great to have a look at the exchange and see see who's favourite at the moment to get the job. He can never be named. You can never <laughs> see him. He wears a hood and you're never allowed to know where he lives. But apart from that, all good. <laughs> it, it's quite interesting, the United situation, because Pochettino seems the obvious fit because he's a project guy and wow, there's a lot that needs doing to fix that football club. We know that. But that 
depends on what happens with Zidane and Paris Saint-Germain. They've been linked with caretaker guys like Ernesto Valverde, who I thought was great uh, at Barcelona. So it'll be really interesting to see which way it goes. Uh, Jason, you had a link between uh, the process uh, of Manchester United and another game in the Premier League. What was that? Yeah, so if we just take it back to Oli in the process at United, um, like a, a Premier League winning team, a title winning team, right, on average, their XG on average in terms of goal difference is about 1, 1.1 on average over 38 games. The best United ever got was three quarters of a goal, but it's gone backwards this season. It was going backwards last season. So rather than get closer to the top, they were going further away from it. Now, if you look at the quality of players you can buy can make you so good, but then you need the manager to close the gap and make you that bit better. So the closest United ever got to winning the title in terms of average XG, goal difference was like 0.4 of a goal. They were never getting to City or Liverpool or Chelsea's level this season. The only way you could do that is either change the manager, Tuchel, Klopp, Pep, to close that gap. Or else, for every away game United had, let them play that Old Trafford because 0.4 of a goal is what home advantage is. And there's another slight point in that, like that away record that United have going unbeaten. Massive asterisks to that because there was no home fans for a lot of that game yeah. when they were going yeah. away. It was quite an easy run to put together. So. When we look at Palace and Villa, we've actually two clubs here that have recently acquired new managers and we've actually seen in their processes massive improvements. So now the bet I'm actually going to give you for this game is I'm going to say to lay Crystal Palace at about 2.3. I think it's worth a small lay and I'll give you reasons why. But first of all, credit to Patrick Vieira since he's come in. Roy Hodgson did a fantastic job, but Vieira, that process and fought offensively and defensively on average. It's only 12 games, small sample, but... Their XG goal difference has improved by about a goal under Vieira. So they're improved massively at both ends of the pitch. And that's clear that a manager has made a difference. A couple of signings, Conor Gallagher, Anderson at the back, has improved it, but source the difference of a manager. The reason why I think they're delayed all this weekend is the recent manager, Steven Gerrard, coming into Aston Villa. One of the reasons that he did so well at Rangers, one of the big plaudits he got was defensively how better Rangers were in terms of reducing the shot count. We've had a very small glimpse of it last weekend. This season, prior to that game, Aston Villa were giving up to the opposition 13 shots a game, four four shots on target a game. And Brighton, offensively as the team come to Villa Park, were actually putting up similar numbers consistently in their games, about 12 shots a game, a little over three and a half shots on target. But last weekend, they cut that in half. They limited Brighton to only six shots and only two shots on target. So already he's had an impact there. And in terms of Aston Villas's process under Dean Smith, they've lost Grealish. He's massive. We've seen that in their offensive numbers this season. But defensively, they were never that great under Smith. Um, arguably could have got relegated only for that goal that wasn't given against Sheffield United that first game after lockdown. Defensively, they haven't been good. So where Villa can improve, where there's the bigger room for improvement is defensively. And Stephen Jarrett can do that. There were signs he did it last weekend. So you factor all that in. The managers can make a difference, massive difference. And for this weekend at those prices, I think there's just a little bit of value in Lane Palace. Can I just add something on there, Kev? Of course, I was, Jake. I was doing some digging yesterday. Um, one of the guys in our office asked about Lampard and Tuchel and just sort of what, obviously we know what's happened since Tuchel came in. We know he's a world-class coach compared to Lampard. But, you know, you remember me saying a few, few, quite a few times on the podcast over the last year and a half that the underlying numbers that Chelsea were putting up under Lampard were actually quite good and that they were just underscoring and, and conceding more than would be expected. So I thought that the comparison between the two in terms of the underlying numbers would be 
not like not a massive gulf because obviously Tuchel's come in and just mainly tighten the defence up the attackers sort of actually below the levels of Lampard from a process standpoint but when you work it out over a season um, I worked out that Tuchel over a 38 game season would be worth 12 expected goals more than Lampard which works out at around 0.32 per game now for a team that was already in the top four and you know was fourth best team in the league that is a huge margin for just every single game they're getting 0.32 expected goals more per game because of Tuchel being there that's basically one extra big chance per game than what they weren't getting under Lampard and it just kind of shows you that that gulf in manager is just it's so important when you get to the top level and that's ultimately why Manchester United's next appointment is so crucial because they're you know, unless they bring in, they missed the Conte boat because I'd put Conte in that world-class manager um, kind of market. And Pochettino is probably, he's there or thereabouts. I think he's he's a tactician. He's brilliant. He develops players. He hasn't yet got a you know, trophy on his CB, but he's in that conversation. But given everything that United have gone through, it, it's a really important one this time around. Just just on that as well, because people listening, like we, we talk a lot of numbers, but to try and quantify it as well or give a bit of context, that 0.32 that Jake references that Tuchel has improved Chelsea by. When Jack Grealish is missing for Aston Villa, that's how much the prices move. They move by 0.3, of a goal. Or when Messi has been missing for Barcelona. So like Tuchel is... You know, it's not an exaggeration to say getting the right manager is as good as signing a star player along yeah, the lines absolutely. of Messi or Grealish, just to give it that kind of context. Um, and yeah, United, they don't need to rush into anything. If we have to wait till the summer, so be it. As long as we get the right person to to improve that process and, and get us closer to, to where United, as United fans believe we should be. And that's before you even think about the intangibles like a, a great coach will attract better players and things like that and just the overall structure of the football club going forward. Two great coaches on show in the game between Brighton and Leeds United. Leeds played really, really well, I thought, in the first half at Tottenham last Sunday, but ultimately lost 2-1. They are embroiled in a relegation battle. Mark, they've got this game against Brighton this weekend, so things aren't getting any easier. But the bare truth of it for Leeds is they've had key players missing almost all season. I mean, the the injury and illness list against Spurs was outrageous. No Rafinha, no Bamford, no Rodrigo. Tough to really get going without those players. Yeah, I, I agree. I think they they deserve um, a bit of a bit of appreciation for their performance at Spurs, particularly in that first half. I think they blew themselves out a little bit in the second half, but. You know, I guess that's the issues really when you're running off such a small squad and Bielsa will attract criticism, not just for his style of play, uh, which can be attributed to being a bit too gung-ho, but also the fact he, he prefers to have a small squad to work with a smaller group. And when injuries do hit, they do get a little bit exposed. And you just look towards the bench last weekend, the players on there I'd never even heard of, to be honest. And, it was a bench um, of children, wasn't it, effectively? It was, it was. Um, you know, it was the epitome of a, a game of two halves, really. But uh, Bielsa will be taking the positives out of that as he did um, he, he felt his team played pretty well he believes they're not too far away and you mentioned the injuries and the illness well I think Rodrigo and Rafinha will come back into the fold this weekend and Rafinha's inclusion is absolutely imperative for Leeds to, to do anything really in forward areas he is the key he is the fulcrum really and um, I expect Leeds to have a little bit of joy against the Brighton team who 
are struggling at the moment to get over the line. Uh, zero wins from seven after starting the season with four wins from five. Uh, they've dropped down to ninth. And admittedly, five draws in that time as well. But Jason's right against Aston Villa. 64% of the ball, long periods of possession, just six shots and 0.2 XG. Not good. And uh, it's been a bit of a theme, really. When, when Trossard has played as a false nine, he's caused plenty of problems against the likes of Liverpool and Man City, but against deep-line defences and, and more compact teams, as Villa were last week, he's been much, much less effective and... Lamptey's only come back from injury and taking him and Cucurella off last weekend seemed to turn the tide against Brighton. So, you know, Potter was, was pleased with his team's performance, but, you know, appreciated that they need to be better in the final third. Well, I think they'll get more opportunities this week. We know what Leeds are like. We know how they like to play. Trossard should get much more freedom to, to do his thing, really. And, and Brighton do tend to get results against the lesser lights. Four wins from seven, just the one defeat against the bottom half this season. They did the double over Leeds last season as well. Um... But uh, I, I, personally, I still can't uh, take Brighton to the prices. Um, I still think there's there's not enough going forward to, to sort of um, to get over the line because I expect Leeds to score. Leeds do tend to score. Amazingly, since promotion to the Premier League, they've scored in 20 of 25 away games, uh, which is really, really impressive. This season, they've scored in 10 of 12. Uh, their issues are defensively just one clean sheet. That was against Watford. And they're in the top six in terms of uh, XG conceded shots and shots and tar- target conceded too. So I've just married the two up really and taken both teams to score at 1.8. Uh, I think that's always quite an attractive price when Leeds are involved. Uh, Brighton will feel this is a winnable game. So will Leeds. Uh, and both teams of these have hit a 50%, 56% hit rate for both teams scoring in home and away games going back to the beginning of last season when, of course, we had no crowds as well. So, um, yeah, I think strong stats and a strong sort of tactical uh, assessment of how this match might play out. And I think uh, we should have a good one here. I think it's the 5.30 game on Saturday. Uh, both teams to score at 1.8. Hey, Jake, that seems bang on to me. Any different angle to that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting it to be as goal-laden as, as what, what Mark is, unfortunately. Oh, it's uh, a I fight. hope I'm wrong. Wonderful. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going both teams to score now, so I'm not having a direct bet against Mark. Um, but I am going to be back in under 2.75 goals. Um, and the reason for that is that both these teams have had real issues in attack. Um, you know, we, we spoke a lot last season. We were gushing in our praise of Brighton in terms of their process. But what we've seen this season is... They've stopped creating the chances. Last season, they were creating the chances, not taking them. This season, they've stopped creating them. Uh, and it's to such an alarming rate that only Norwich have created fewer non-penalty big chance, uh, non-penalty XG per game than Brighton this season, which is staggering. They're, they're second worst in terms of non-penalty XG per game at 0.97. It kind of shows you just sort of the issues they're having. They just simply aren't creating clear-cut chances. And... But, you know, one thing that they have got going for them that has stayed consistent is their defensive process. Now, they're the fourth best team based on expected goals against per game, non-penalty that is, uh, allowing just over one expect one one per game. So effectively, they are not creating any chances, but not conceding them either, which is resulting in, in a, you know, a fair few dull games. There's a lot of possession in the final third that don't get turned into decent chances by Brighton. Um, but at the other end, teams are really struggling to create good chances against them. Uh, and then you've got Leeds, who, as you've said, have got massive injury issues um, or have had throughout the season. But even when the likes of Rafinha and Rodrigo have played, they've still struggled to create chances at the same rate as what they did last season. They were up at 1.6 XG per game last season. They're down at 1.2 this season. So there's been a big drop off there. Um, and then, you know, I mentioned this stat a few weeks ago. Only Norwich have created fewer non-penalty big chances than Leeds this season. Leeds have managed just four in 12 games. That's just 
you know, insane. When you think about how good Leeds were in attack last season, how teams just couldn't stop them. Um, four non-penalty big chances in 12 games. Uh, and then obviously, we, you know, on the flip side of that, their defence has stayed at a similarly poor level. So that's why they ultimately find themselves in a bit of a relegation scrap. And all that added together, two attacks that are struggling to create, a Brighton defence that looks very, very solid. And I think that we couldn't be set for a 1-0 either way or maybe a 1-1 or a 2-0 either way. I, you know, I think these two teams are fairly evenly matched. I'd give a slight nod to Brighton, but just backing against goals, I think, is, is the way to go with this Brighton team and the way in which their, chance, their their games have sort of you know panned out. So under 2.75 goals, around 1.8 on the exchange. That's something that I'd be going for. It suggests to me that Graham Potter's a big fan of this show because he obviously heard me moaning all season last season about the missing chances left, right and centre. And he thought, well, how can I change that? Ah, I'll get us to stop creating those chances in the first place. So worth bearing in mind that until November the 25th, we are doubling our daily rewards. Stake £20 on multiples or bet builders over the course of a day. And after the bets have settled, you'll get a free £10 bet to use on multiples or bet builders. Builders. Bets must settle within 48 hours. No opt-in required. T's and C's apply. Dean Smith looking for back-to-back wins with Norwich. Yes, that's right. Back-to-back wins with Norwich as they face Wolves. Jake, how do you see this one going? Yeah, there's, there's a bit of a feel-good factor now around Norwich, isn't there? They've won, won the last two, um, drawn a couple in, of the last six as well. So they've, they've picked up a fair few points and it seems as though they're moving in the right direction. But... You know, a, t- a closer look at the underlying numbers show that they've been very fortunate on all counts. All four of the games in which they've actually picked up results in the last six, they've lost the XG battle. Uh, and the, their attacking issues are the main main cause for that. I mean, last weekend, he scored twice from chances equating to 0.5 XG. Um, and that's kind of things just not sustainable over the course of a season. And as I keep saying, Norwich prop up every single metric when it comes to XG, big chances, shots, everything. Um, and Wolves are a team that themselves are in excellent form. They've won five of seven. Their victory against West Ham, I thought, was excellent. Not just the fact that they beat West Ham, but the fact that they limited the, the third best attacking team in the league based on expected goals to just 0.4 XG. Like that, that's, a, that's a feat. That, that needs applauding because not many teams do that to West Ham. Um, and, you know... Sixth in the table now, which is a fair representation of where they should be based on performances. Overall process has been extremely solid. 1.6 expected goals for, 1.2 against. And interestingly, only five Premier League teams have got a positive expected goal difference when away from home this season. So positive basically means that they're creating more than their opponents when playing on the road. And Wolves are one of those. Wolves are averaging, um, you know, they're winning the XG battle by around 0.35 uh, of a goal when playing away from home. So something to factor in. And all of that said, I think that Wolves to win looks a bit big around 2.26. And when we factor in that Southampton were around a 2.15 shot last week to beat Norwich, and I would say Wolves are a much better team than Southampton. I think the price discrepancy is just a little bit too big. And I would probably have Wolves closer to a 2.1 than, than they currently are around the 2.25 mark. Well, let's start our wander around the continent then. We'll kick off with La Liga. Betis up against Levante. Jason, this screamed out to me because I'm really surprised to see Betis trading at 1.74 to beat the league's bottom side who haven't won a single game. So what do you think, what do you think the bet is going to be here? Well, I would be backing Betis to win. I would say you're going to go completely against me here, aren't you? Yeah, look, if you're looking for a long shot this weekend, um, 
This yeah, is why really... you're the trader and I'm the host. Wow. That's how it works, you see. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> um, yeah, Levanta haven't won in 22 of the Liga games. Um, it is a long shot. They're five point on the exchange to win this game. Uh, but look, a bit of context here. Levanta, yes, they're bottom of the table, but in terms of expected points, they'd actually be 11th. So there's been moments in games that have really gone against them, late goals, missed penalties. It's actually cost their manager, Paco Lopez, his job as well. It was very sad. He's fantastic record at the club but after a run like that he had to go and he was he was let go a couple of weeks ago but on that run this season as well they've had a significant injury list which is starting to improve so already you're starting to see okay that position in the table isn't reflective of their current process or what's been available in terms of players that they can get back on the pitch on the flip side if you look at Real Betis uh, prior to the international break they'd lost their three games including the Europa League game um, away to Leverkusen so those three games were against decent opposition but people the markets might look at the result last week see the bet, bet Elche by a couple of goals and think oh, okay they're fine that's good Elche are atrocious you don't read yeah. anything into any team that beats them so with all that considered the market has gone so against Levante that it's going to take a while I think for it to correct for Levante to get a couple of results plus a thing I always love having in my pocket is has a team got a midweek game Betis have distractions. It's a home game in the Europa League on Thursday night, but Levante can give this game their full attention. So for all those factors, if you're looking for something at a bigger price this weekend, I know they have more than 22 games, but at the bigger price, at 4-1, to one, I think it's worth a look. Or if you're looking to put something in Akas, you can actually get the double chance at even money. That's Levante in the draw, double chance at even money on the Betfair Sportsbook. See, I'm torn because I want Jason to be right for the good of the show, but I kind of want me to be right as well. Elsewhere, Xavi takes Barcelona to face Villarreal at the Ceramica. Uh, the host stinging after a perfectly avoidable loss to Manchester United in the Champions League. I am telling you, Geronimo Rulli is not a Champions League goalkeeper. He is not good enough to be at that level, but there we go. Uh, they are the slight outsiders here, uh, Villarreal at 2.76. Mark, where are we going with this one? Yeah, might surprise a few people, but I'm getting Barcelona on side for their away game against Villarreal on Saturday night um, I think betting ultimately is always about the price that's the most important number we look towards and I think the odds are a little bit too favourable uh, in terms of Villarreal uh, I think Barca are a bit too big to ignore and I think you can get them on side of the plus zero Asian handicap or the draw no bet basically the same thing uh, just shy of even money which is very, very nice. Um, there have been a few small signs of progress on the Xavi. Very small, but signs of progress at least. Um, decent in the game against Benfica in midweek, I felt. I thought they created the better chances, even if Benfica missed that open goal, effectively. Oh, uh, unbelievable God. miss. Um, <laughs> I mean, but- I know Harris Seferovic does score goals now and again. But <laughs> <Now we laughs> just remarkable that a top-level striker, in inverted commas, could go clean through. He did the hard bit and then just miss an open goal. Yeah, it was it was staggering, really. Uh, the significance of that goal as well for both teams was was massive. So, yeah, but uh, I think from a Barca perspective, yeah, they dodged a bullet there. But I think overall they were the better team. And yeah. crucially, Dembele came off the bench. I thought he made a real impact as well. They missed his directness, his pace, his trickery. Uh, they have been playing a bit more like Barcelona. It wasn't just possession for possession's sake. They were quite penetrable with it as well. Uh, I think there are signs they're moving in the right direction slowly. Um, but yeah, there's plenty of stats and facts and you know reasons why I think there's a, a reason to get Barca on side even if you look at the league table they played the same amount of games Barca are four points clear of Villarreal 
They've only lost three times domestically this season. That was the Classico at home to Real, who are top. Atletico away from home, they're fourth. And Rio, who are the surprise package uh, up in sixth. Uh, and Rio at home at the Vallecas this season have been superb. So they're the three defeats that Barcelona have suffered. Got around of one three La Liga games this season. Two of those came against teams inside the bottom three. So they've won once in 11 against teams outside of the relegation zone. They've also conceded twice or more uh, in all three games against Man United and uh, Atalanta in the Champions League. Young boys and any team they've beaten in that competition. You mentioned the goalkeeping issues. Uh, there's also issues going forward as well. Uh, missing key players, uh, Gerard Moreno still sidelined, Chiquese, Paco Alcacer as well. Um, and if you look at expected points, they are doing reasonably well in seventh, but Barca are actually top of that metric, surprisingly so uh, and also wise too Barca were 1.7 here in April they're now 2.68 obviously in April they had Messi they had Griezmann as well but Villarreal had a much better team on paper going into that game too so uh, I'm not saying it's you know both teams are missing the same sort of standard of players of course they're not but uh, Villarreal are weaker than they were in April so are Barcelona so Unai Emery's won once against top six teams in La Liga with Villarreal since he took charge at the start of last season so um, I think they're slightly overrated here I think Barcelona still have the potential to put on a show and get a decent result and obviously if the game ends in the draw we get our cash back anyway I, I would think the uh, the market will move in their favour before Saturday night Hey Jason do you go along with that would you say Barcelona the smart bet here Yeah I'm, I'm relieved like um, yeah I'm slightly on that I'm about 258 uh, or about 2.66 to back on the exchange um, it's really interesting you know Xavi coming in like if you're pricing Barcelona in the outright you improve the rating a bit more because you imagine they'll be in a better position second half of the season once he really gets them tuned in, although we've seen signs of it already, um, how he wants to play. Uh, but in terms of the match, I'm wondering if I improved him too much ahead of the weekend against Villarreal, but for the reasons Mark has outlined, probably on the right side of it, and I agree that there's a bit of value in it, and particularly if Ruli sells it in the goal, I mean, awful against United, but did you see what he did against Celta Vigo last week as well? <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, and, and also the ridiculous own goal from Mondi, uh, in the yeah. game against Atletico Madrid, that was all yeah. his fault yeah. because he was going wandering off for a cup of tea somewhere. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. I, I honestly don't get it. He must have pictures of somebody uh, that he's keeping in the back pocket. Because like, it's like they had Asensio started most league games last season, so I know they had been rotating two of them. But you know, there's something, or else Asensio has done something to Unai Emery rather than. Really yeah, it could be that. You know, could be that. Know, yeah. Maybe he didn't watch one of these 17 videos that he gets sent every day uh, <laughs> that he has to watch that Emery sends out. Uh, now, do you feel that an unfair moment has cost you a winning bet? If you do, let Dimitar Varbatov know. You see what we've done there? He's called Dimitar Berbatov, but we've used VAR to call him Varbatov. It's great banter. Uh, let Dimitar Varbatov know and you could get a refund. Send any examples over the weekend to at Betfair on social media using the hashtag VARBatov. Uh, and the former Spurs and Manchester United striker will make his ruling. So that is uh, hashtag. Hashtag V-A-R-B-A-T-O-V. Mark, after all that jollity, let's finish off our continental cruise with a game from Italy. Uh, yeah, well, goals, isn't it, in Italy? It always is. Uh, when I sort of talk about Serie A and, you know, the league is uh, averaging 3.1 goals per game, still top of the pack in terms of the most entertaining leagues across the continent. And I think Sampdoria's game against Verona ticks all the boxes for another 
high scoring game over two and a half goals I'm really surprised is coming in at 1.85 uh, a few people asked me why the prices are a little bit higher than probably what the actual outcomes have been and it's purely down to in my opinion uh, the XG process of the league which is you know if you compare it to the actual goals per game output it's actually a decent degree shorter but I've watched the league long enough to know that uh, the defences are, are pretty poor at the best of times <laughs> and both it's teams play it's a connoisseur's nightmare isn't it Serie A at the moment it is it's fantastic fun uh, genuinely great entertainment particularly when you've got two teams like Samp and Verona who are middling shall we say uh, will both see this game as a winnable opportunity both have attack minded coaches in charge and when you see that price of 1.85 and you compare it to the actual outcomes of what we've seen so far, 20 of 27 games involving these two teams have gone over two and a half goals. Sam's match is averaging 3.23, Verona's 3.77. 14 of those 27 have gone over three and a half. Uh, they've both scored uh, in 22 of those 27 games and kept just five clean sheets between them. Uh, Sam last week had a really important win away at Salernitana, but they're back at Morassi now, which is when they tend to put their sort of best foot forward, if you like, uh, going back to the beginning of last season. They only failed to score in five of 26 but also, also managed just four clean sheets uh, and 73% of those games have gone over two and a half goals. Uh, and Verona, who've been pretty much the surprise package uh, since Igor Tudor came in, picking up consistent results, playing carefree attacking football and getting results, you know, against big teams. If you look at the last 10 games, uh, only Inter and Atalanta have collected two points more than Verona have. And Verona have scored more goals than anyone else over that past 10 games as well, 24 so uh, they'll definitely see this as an opportunity to carry on uh, playing their, their football and getting results. Uh, Monday night's game uh, was a bit of a stinker, but they still managed to go over two and a half goals. Uh, Shevchenko doing his best impression to uh, get a nil-nil draw for Genoa in that match. But uh, this match should be much more open, much more expansive and expect three, three or more goals to click at uh, Sampdoria. Sounds exciting. Now it's time for something else that's exciting. The world-famous podcast Treble. It's a feature that brought us a winner at 7-2 last week. Acting legend Morgan Freeman may or may not have described listening to the podcast Treble as being better than starring in the Shawshank Redemption. Just for the lawyers, he didn't say that. He definitely didn't say that. Uh, how it works is that the three guys pick a selection each and then Jason and his traders wrap up those selections into a boosted treble. Jason, let's start with you. Yeah, so this game's actually on Sunday, but I slipped it into the show here on the Saturday pod just to get talking about it. What I'm going to put up is I'm going to put up Levanta, Levanta in the draw against Betis in the double chance. It's even money, and I think it's a great bet. But listen, these trebles as well, if it does let you down, if I let you down, Morgan Freeman, if you are listening, if you do the treble, <laughs> I'll let is. you down. He definitely is listening, yeah. <laughs> do get in contact with Barbatov. Um, there's been some great examples the last seven days. Uh, I mean, we've even spoke about Seferovic. If you had him back for first goal scorer the other night or Benfica to win the game, send in the bet slip, see what Barbatov thinks. Mane had the tightest offside ruled out there last night yeah. um, against Porto. Last weekend, if you look at um, Burnley, 3-3 draw at home 10 minutes left Chris Woods through Anderson brings him down like if you back the red card in that game it should have been given like Sean Dyche is saying after the match it should have been a red card or if you had Palace or sorry if you had Burnley in your ACA and that was the one leg that let you down send in the bet slip if you can make a rationale or a reason for it Borbatov will have a look and think outside the box as well because there's a lot of people backed Nuno Tavares for an any time assist last week Liverpool and Arsenal 
the ball he played for Jota it was the best back pass I've ever seen so like <laughs> stick them in as well think outside the box you know everything will be considered but listen Levante in the draw I'll be backing it myself and that's why I'm happy to put it up at even money and look hopefully we'll get a winning treble this weekend I'm just imagining Dimitar Varbasov in a room, uh, just an empty room, but it's being flooded with bet slips as the weeks go on. He's got plenty of work ahead of him, or we hope so anyway, uh, get those bet slips in. So now I have even more reason to want to be wrong about this Betis Levante game. So thanks for that, Jason. Uh, Mark, what's your selection? Uh, last week I uh, went for a, a nice little forward defence so going for a quick single this time um, going to take both teams to score in Leicester against Watford okay and what's the price on that Mark just out of interest we're at 165 170 lovely stuff and Jake um, oh, what do you mean um, you went last you should know, have had this yeah. ready to go <laughs> I, but there's so many different options isn't there do I go for a really short price because Jason's got an even money in there or um, no, what does your heart tell with, you my heart tells me <laughs> Wolves are going to beat Norwich quite comfortably so I'll go with Wolves um, around 6-5 to five, I think on the sports book so the treble should be a nice hefty price this week that's what we like to hear. Super stuff. That's all we have time for on Football Only Better. Please do remember to always gamble responsibly. Plenty of other shows to keep an eye on as well. By the way, we've got NFL Only Better, Cricket Only Better, a couple of racing shows as well. Check us out on social at Betfair or at Betfair Racing or simply go to Betfair.com and a treasure trove of content on betting.betfair.com as well. From Jake, from Jason, from Mark, and from me. It's goodbye for now.